Good morning, and welcome to Duality. I'm your host, Ash, Ashley, Akasha. Sorry, I'm putting live on my phone. <laughs> just kind of grounding into the space. I just came out over here and realized that it's time to go, so I'm here. <laughs> so, yeah. Good morning, and let me bring this mic closer to me. Am I good on sound? Okay, cool. Usually I fix myself a little bit before, but I literally just pulled up to the screen when it was like 10 seconds. So bear with me real quick. Um, yeah, so today <laughs> I'm talking about myself. Um, you know, I figure on the 30th episode, it might be time to speak a little bit about me and for those who don't know me, for those who know me, and, um, and for myself. I find I always uh, get a little weird when it comes to speaking about myself when it's not, when I'm not directly asked questions. So if I'm like asked like, oh, like what do you do with this and third? Like sometimes I'll be like, okay, well, Sorry, let me just, we're good, okay. <laughs> so yeah, when um, I get asked about myself, sometimes I get a little weird, naturally. I just pulled up kind of disheveled today. But that's real, you know? Like I'm not perfect and I don't always come here on time and I'm, don't always have my hair done and I don't always have the best outfits on and I just show up as I am. Do my best to just be easy on myself, you know? Um, yeah, so my birth name is Ashley Marie Montalto. My mother is Luz Angela Vallerino and my father was Leonard Charles Montalto. And my origins are from, my mom's born and raised in Colombia. She moved out here in her 20s. And my father was born and raised here on Staten Island. And he's Italian, he was Italian. And the origins are actually funny. Like there was this older woman that used to call my father that was apparently like a part of my lineage. And she would tell us stories about where my family came from. So apparently my family actually came from Syria and they migrated and they left Syria and they settled in the town of Montaltos in Italy. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, that's our last name now, you know? And I'm sure they mixed with the Italian people. And then that's how, you know, that came to be. Growing up on Staten Island, I felt like I was one of the, I didn't know a lot of Colombian people. The only Colombian people I knew was like my family, maybe like one or two other people. If anybody was mixed, like, Italian and um, something else or something European and something Latin. It was usually like Italian Puerto Rican and like, you know, all those similar Latin different things. But um, I always felt like I didn't know other Colombian people. <laughs> and um, unless we went to Jackson Heights or, you know, Elizabeth, New Jersey for the Colombian burrito for food and stuff. But I also didn't necessarily 
grow up with that like Italian setting the way a lot of people on Staten Island grow up with that like Sunday dinner. Like I still actually never been to a Sunday dinner in my life. Um, I don't have family in Brooklyn. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't have that experience really. Um, so it was interesting growing up. I always felt like I wasn't Italian enough because I didn't have these things, and I wasn't Latin or Colombian or Spanish enough because I didn't speak Spanish fluently and I was really shy to speak Spanish. Although I did understand and I do understand a lot and I can speak it. Um, I get really shy when I speak Spanish. Uh, so it was always interesting growing up and like kind of feeling like I didn't fit anywhere. And then being like in my family, it's like my mother and my sister, shout out to them, their birthday just passed. They're born on April 23rd and April 26th. So they're three days apart. So there's two Tauruses, right? Then there's my eldest sister and my father, born January 15th and January 18th, three days apart, Capricorns. And then there's me, <laughs> born seven years later, July 5th, Cancer, just like middle of the year, boom, I'm here, five, right? Born on the 5th, the fifth one in my family, and I learned... As I dove more into my spirituality practice and learning different, like, esoteric or, um, I don't know, lack of better words, uh, different ways of thinking, I learned about numerology and about what it means to be a five and what five means. So, you know, you think about four. Four is, like, four legs on a table, stability. Four legs on a chair, stability, right? And then five is the change. So if you even look at the cards in the tarot, the fifth card is always going to be something that's changed, like a change to get to the next place or whatever the case is. So I quickly learned in my life that like the only constant is change. And if we're getting into the astrology aspect, I wasn't necessarily, I mean, what human really wants constant change all the time. But not only did I realize it was always around me, but I realized that no matter what space I was in, I always brought change to it and that it was up to me to decide if I wanted to make that change for the better or change for the worse because of having the capability of doing both. Just the energy and the human that I am, it's just, it's always moving. I'm always moving. I'm always changing different things. So I've had to learn to sit with that medicine and accept that you know, I might not have the traditional consistent things like I'd like to as far as like my routines and things. I could have a general gist and idea. And I've talked about prior on the podcast how I like to set up my structure of like, okay, Wednesday I have 1030, my podcast, but then I don't script it. That's why sometimes you'll hear in the beginning of the podcast, I'm hella awkward or shy or like, kind of stuttery and weird because I don't really know what I'm about to say. It just kind of happens and comes out as I go on, which I did here today. But I moved recently. You know, thank you for everyone's patience on who's been tuning in and who continuously looks for this podcast every Wednesday. I had taken two weeks off for adapting to the move. You know, I completely moved separate from my family although I was already living in my own apartment 
I moved completely separate and um, actually moved into the neighborhood that I grew up in, which is really interesting, you know, um, to be there seven years later because the last time I lived there was prior to Hurricane Sandy. And living there now when everything in my life is different, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's really cool. And it's also, it could be like kind of melancholy sometimes where I'll look at different things and just, uh, you know, I'm over in the Newdorp area and Newdorp has changed so much and there's so much cool things that are over there. And then there's also a lot of different things that are over there that um, are kind of sad, you know, different spaces. And if I ever go, which I do go to visit my old house, which I had lost in Hurricane Sandy growing up, um, it's it's like ruins, you know. So it's really interesting around maybe not this time last year, but in August last year, I decided that I was going to sleep on the beach on at Fox Beach. I was like, that's it. I'm just doing this. I just need to do this. I need to understand. I need to do it. Whatever. I went there and um, I pulled my car, which my car is a car. It's not an SUV. It's not an off-road car. <laughs> and I reversed up a hill of sand. Already not a great idea, you know. And then I had to take a call because I was doing this meeting on Zoom. So I'm taking that. And then I also ran out and I tried to pitch my tent prior to the sun going down. So I'm like trying to do all these things at once. I kind of failed. It, it was okay. I, I ended up ultimately staying there and making it work. But I was pitching a tent and there was a bunch of men down at the beach. And I was just like, oh, I'm like one woman by myself, which, you know, made me nervous. And it's a shame, you know, that as women or even as people or in general, um, when we're alone, that we can feel nervous in nature. It's kind of a sad thing. But, um, you know, it's, I think it's really important that we acknowledge the land that we go to and we give a prayer and we know why we're there and we'll always be protected, but also be mindful that humans still have free will. And, um, and you know, I'm a firm believer of praying, but also, like, my duality, right? Like, I had a whole axe in my hand, so, you know, there was that. Um, <laughs> because I'm going to defend myself. And I was there... <laughs> trying to pitch this tent and then a bunch of men jumped in a car and they were like driving towards me so I dipped to my car and I'm just in my car with the doors locked holding an axe and I was like okay let me try to move my car let me just try to move it and what had happened was uh the car got stuck so I'd called up my friend and I was like hey yo like I know you got a truck could you help me and he came through and he tried to help me. It didn't work out. Had to, you know, kind of call a uh, a tow truck to figure out that situation. But it was okay, you know. It was what it was supposed to be. Uh, David, one of my elder friends who has passed, I want to say shout out to him and homage to the statement that he said, you know, sometimes when we get tickets and have to pay expenses that are um, unexpected, our universal lessons it's like our our tuition to the universe like hey like okay well I learned you know here so I just took that and I and I left it like that 
I ended up pitching the tent and gratefully my friend was with me and uh, stayed the night with me so that I could feel safe and do the work that I needed to do there to kind of integrate. You know, I've I've never slept on the beach there. I always wanted to. And um, when Hurricane Sandy happened, I was 17. And not only did, you know, I lose uh, my house, but I lost my father in that event. So it was, it's very, it's, you know, it's a, a lot, a big, a big thing that happened in my life. And it's crazy because, like, when that happened, prior to that happening, I was very much so closed off when it came to my business or, like, my trauma or, like, sharing things. Like, I would have never said that, you know. I would have never been speaking on a podcast, period. Um, but when the storm happened, it was really weird because it was, like, so many people that I haven't spoken to or that I went to school with or that was a teacher or a distant friend had contacted me and it was like all of my business was in the newspaper it was on the today show it was all throughout everywhere so it was like the biggest one of one of the biggest traumas that I endured I was was then broadcasted everywhere and I had no privacy to grieve and to have that experience, not only me, but my family. And that changed a huge dynamic in myself. That was the time when I was like, okay, well, you know, everybody kind of knows. It was weird. It was like I would go places and it was almost like I was a tragedy. Like if people would see me and before they said hi, they would be like, I'm so sorry. And they wouldn't look me in the eyes. And I was just like, okay, well, if I wasn't thinking about it, I'm thinking about it now, <laughs> you know, uh, just trying to function, you know, grief works in such a interesting way, especially when it's like such a shock and you don't expect it. And you expect, you know, for a person to be there for an extended amount of time. And, uh, something like a natural disaster kind of comes into play in your life. So, yeah, after that, it was like, at the time in Staten Island, everybody, everybody I knew and everybody I was close friends with was either, like, addicted to drugs or about to be. I had very few friends that didn't do any drugs. And it was like, I had the best excuse to go and participate in that and to numb myself to evade and to step away from reality and it was interesting that I didn't I don't you know I remember having moments where it started getting really bad where people in around me started shifting from you know Vicodins occasionally to Percocets and then like Oxycontin Perc 30s and this was like a norm, you know, and like Xanax, this was a norm, this was everywhere. And uh, it was just like, you met up with your friends and people, they got, this is what they acquired. This was like everywhere. And um, I remember being offered things. I remember when it started shifting to heroin and I was like, this is crazy. Like I remember hearing about heroin, but I never thought I would ever see it. Like, I never thought I would see somebody I love in front of me ingest it or hear about them because the thing was with me, like, 
no matter what time in life, if you go back and if you were my friend at any point in life, you you could probably attest to this. Um, I wasn't the friend that you did that with. Um, I was the friend that you lied to about doing that stuff. So um, I was heavily codependent when I was younger. And I would take on everyone's issues everyone's issues like they were mine and it was so personal to me and I was very aggressive about it like how could you do this why would you be doing this like you know it, there's this there's that and looking back it really I understand the intention but it's really not my place or my business you know um as much as sometimes I feel like I'm mother to the universe like I still need to be mother to me you know and uh and take care of myself and that was like a hard lesson for a while that it was like my my partner was addicted uh, my best friends were addicted and there was these circumstances where I was constantly being affected by what they the choices that they were making nonetheless my own because I co-signed to it and throughout that time I remember I had gotten asked um, in a different spectrum from a different group of my friends that were more on the uh, distributing end that was like presented a, an opportunity where it was like I could make a lot of money but I could also completely throw away my morality and throughout that time I remember thinking to myself like I, I like in the moment I, I just seen all the things in my head like wow I would have this and that and all this stuff. And then I was like, my father literally was always a protective man with with me and my sisters, um, very overprotective. And I was like, if he knew everything I was doing when he was alive, he could see everything now. I'm like, I can't do that. That's going to mess me up. Because even in, when it came to me breaking up with my boyfriend at the time, you know, whatever your belief system is, I'm going to speak on mine because this episode's about myself. He showed me what was happening because I was in denial of my partner being um, as wrapped up into the uh, drug scene as he was. And I didn't want to believe it because it's like the only man in my life was my my boyfriend, the only person that had any sense of normalcy or any kind of grounding was him so like I didn't I was not ready to change that like I just lost my father I was not ready to also lose my boyfriend like in my physical presence I wasn't okay with that and it was like to the point where all of a sudden I would get this tug to like go outside now I, I had maybe I just smoked a cigarette or I was just outside there was no reason for me to go back outside and I'd go outside and I'd kind of like see him making an exchange with somebody or like him doing something sus. And then I was like, I need to get out of this. And I was constantly being shown different signs from my father. And that's when I was like, wow, I really do believe. Although I have believed my whole life, <laughs> like it was just like, I have no choice but to believe at this point. Because if I don't believe, then what, what do I believe in and what am I living for? Like what is, what is the next step for me, you know? And, um, was the next step for anybody if you don't have a belief system you know like I got kicked out of CCD when I was 10 because I asked too many questions respectfully I was a little shy bean I wasn't like 
going out of turn or anything. I was just asking questions because I was curious. I wanted to know more. I wanted to dig deeper into my faith and my understanding. And I got kicked out um, when I was 10 because they said that that was inappropriate. And after that, I was, like, so angry at Catholicism. I'm like, nah, like fuck all that shit, you know, fuck religion, like, and I was, like, so much, like, and then when, when the storm happened, I, I, I was, like, you know, I was cursing God, or whoever was about, I was, like, how could you ever do this, how could you ever allow this to happen, you know, I was very, woe is me, um, I mean, rightfully so, and throughout the process of me going through, um, getting kicked out of CCD even prior to my father passing, I started reading into different religions and looking at different things and like Buddhism was really big for me that I was like, oh wow, like this really makes sense. I really resonate with this. Like meditation, understanding like the karma and that things affect other people and that we should sit with ourselves and sit in silence and all of these different things. And yeah, like so time went on and I, when my father had passed and that, there was that opportunity, I was like, I cannot choose this. I, it's not morally connected with me as much as I want to be this numb, n don't care about people person because I feel so hurt, I couldn't allow myself to be. You know, whether I was choosing to numb myself with things and, you know, going out before I was of age to be drinking and, and partying and doing these different things that were um, socially acceptable. You know, although I was the youngest one of my group of friends always, this was like, this was the norm. This is what you look forward to, you know. Um, I'm sure growing up anywhere, but I could speak for myself growing up on Staten Island. It's like, it was like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna get a fake ID. I'm gonna go out to forest. I'm gonna do, you know, whatever the case is, and and I'm gonna Mac, and that's just gonna be life. And you know, you look forward to drinking to get out of your normal uh contained self to step into this other version of you that doesn't care or you know and that was a lot for me to start diving into but I remember specifically when that opportunity was presented to me that made me really start diving in the opposite way so I started going to Barnes and Noble often the old Barnes and Noble <laughs> miss you um <laughs> And, uh, and everything goes cafe as well. And I would just pull all of the books from the new age section and I would sit there and just read and cause I didn't have the money to buy the books. So I would just read the books while I was there and then come back and like read it or like put a business card or something I had in my pocket and like put it in or write down the page number I was on and come back and read these books, re read these books. So I would also go to my mother's coworker, Carmen. Shout out to Carmen, you know, being a spiritual consultant of mine since I'm like 15, you know, 15, 16, 17. Um, and I remember one of the first candles she ever gave me to light for my father, like make kind of like um like a boveda or like a uh I don't know, you could call it a shrine, but like maybe like a like an ofrenda, like a uh, offering table to the people who have passed she gave me this candle and she she fixed it so she um you know blessed it and put some things into it and I lit the candle I still have the picture somewhere I'm sure I lit that candle and when I put the candle out it had sparkles in the top of it and it was a white candle 
when I put the candle out the first night, excuse me, um, it was an A, like perfectly. It ended up drying up to be an A. And I remember looking at that, going over to my altar or like my makeshift altar. I had like, she's like, you need a white tablecloth. You need this, you need that. So I took a pillowcase. I didn't have a white tablecloth and I just like made shift what I could work with. And I looked at that candle and I was like, this is real. Like this is a communication, you know, that I'm receiving right now. This is what I've been praying for. And... I was just like kind of freaked out, but also really happy. And that was kind of the another big catalyst that was like, okay, we're going to do this more. Like we got to focus on this. So I started practicing more. And then a few years later, I ended up starting my, my Reiki journey. And uh, I received my Reiki one. And uh, I started doing these different practices. And why did I want to learn Reiki? I wanted to learn it because uh, I received it, I received Reiki, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I really resonate with this. And I was very skeptical. It's funny, too, because as much as, you know, if you meet me now, you might not have ever thought that I was skeptical to, like, any of this stuff, but, like, I was very much so skeptical. I remember growing up, although I would read horoscopes, I would always look over, like, I'm a Cancer, but I wouldn't resonate with everything that was Cancer. And I would read things that were Gemini or Leo, and I feel like those would make more sense to me. And I didn't know yet, but that's because those placements are very predominant in my chart. But I had no idea what a chart was. I had no idea what anything was. So, what, shout out to Brie. She, when at Zen's opening, Brie had asked me, she was like, oh, by the way, do you know what time you were born? And I was just like... Yeah, like, I don't know why, but I know it off the top of my head. And I gave it to her, and she was like, oh, okay, like, you're this with that, and uh, and this rising, and this is your your north node, and this is this. And then she just started breaking down. She's like, when you were seven, this happened, and this happened. I was just like, and I looked at her, and I was like, still, I was still working on sharing more of myself, so to speak to somebody that I know from a distance, because I knew her from my friend Liz, or from our friend Liz, and she didn't like she didn't know me like that but i was always skeptical of people at that time because of my business being put out there i thought that majority of the people i met just knew that my father died in hurricane sandy and looked at me as a tragedy so because like majority of the people did it was like i i could usually tell who knew and who didn't cuz even sometimes I didn't know people and they knew me literally just from that, from reading it in the newspaper. And then I said my name, they were like, oh, you're that person, you know? So then when it was people I knew, I automatically assumed that they would know. Come to find out, Brie didn't actually know that about me yet. And she was mentioning a bunch of different things that were like on point. And I was just like, I, I believe in astrology now. This is crazy. <laughs> so I went, I got my my signs tattooed like the next day i was like okay i gotta go boom you know i ended up like speaking to someone they said someone's apprentice i had like no money at the time i was what like 18 i had a little bit of money <laughs> and uh i ended up meeting with an apprentice and she did an amazing job shout out to Alyssa for that and um and for brie and for zen and for all the people you know uh there's been so many different things in my life so many different things that i could talk about really but what's the point of just talking about the past? Like, where am I at now? What am I embodying now? 
something that is really important throughout everything I experienced in my past is to make sure, for whatever reason, since I, as far back as I can remember, the importance of authenticity and integrity has been in the forefront and source. Even before I understood any of these concepts, for whatever reason, these things were ingrained in my whole being to make sure that they were a leading part of my journey. So to know that when I'm speaking to somebody or when someone's giving me a reading or someone's doing this, that maybe I shouldn't take everything that they're saying for face value and also maybe if they're telling me to like do this and that, I don't necessarily, I shouldn't, you know? Like if it doesn't feel right for me. And there was moments, of course, I was bright-eyed and bush-tailed where I was listening to people and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just so excited to learn about this. I didn't know anybody did this. It's so like, hush, hush. And, uh, but if that was the case, then I would have already been in Cuba. I would have done this. I would have done that. Like I was told to do certain things when I was younger. And I'm like, I don't, I, I saved up my, my like lunch money to come here and get this reading in the first place. I don't have money to go to Cuba. What am I going to Cuba for? I don't even understand yet, you know? And uh, now looking back, I appreciate those um, offerings that people have given me, but I'm also grateful of my discernment that I didn't like fixate and focus to go and to do that because, at least at that time, because I'm like that. Even though I didn't have the money and the means, I would have created and generated that if I truly wanted that because once I fixate on something it's that's that's it like I'm, I'm not gonna stop like I'm just gonna continue to fixate and until I get where I want to get with that and that's a great energy and it, it's also been like super destructive <laughs> um in my life but that's something that is a superpower as well I find that the different experiences that I went through in my life were, you know, just as all of ours are, right, to get us to the places that we need to go and connect us with the people that we need to connect with. You know, whether it's our own personal journey or our, you know, relationships that we experience and live through, um, the traumas, the good parts, the things uh, that we're supposed to activate within ourselves to activate within others by literally just embodying what it is that you're learning you know the more that I learn and I listen I realize that the best way to teach anyone anything is by doing it by doing it and then them acquiring not trying to force it because that's like a controlling mechanism that kind of gets sugar-coated in but I have the right intention and I want you to do what you need to do for you because it worked for me in this way. So I think that it's going to work for you in this way. And although it could come from a good place, that could also be harmful because that person might have to learn seven more things before they could even get to that point. And if they get to that point prior to that, they could actually hurt themselves. And that's been a big lesson that I'm constantly relearning is, you know, that surrender. Like, okay, well, it's not my responsibility okay, well, that's not my responsibility. Okay, well, that is also not my responsibility as much as it may feel like it is because it's in my presence and in my awareness. If I'm asked about it and it's open to receive, then yes. 
speak it into existence, share it with people. But if it's not, then and not warranted, that could be more detrimental than good. And that's something that I've been learning consistently. I, um, you know, have a bunch of certifications in different things. I went to school to be an esthetician so I can heal my own skin because I've been an avid skin picker since... I would say probably the first grade, like I had this picture, um, school picture that I had a blackhead on my the top of my lip and I still see it. You probably won't, but I see it. And I that was the first experience I ever had to go to like the dermatologist because they had to like take it out. And I was like, oh, my God, it hurts so bad. You know, the lip line kind of blackhead situations. But I don't know. You know, I don't know what happened. But that was the day my uh, I guess I was like awoken to my fixation and I would always pick my skin so every time I would either have a pimple or not have a pimple or have a reason to touch my face or look at my face I'd be like popping 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 and you know throughout my life my family members or my friends or my partners would always be like just get out of the mirror like, what are you doing? Just get out of the mirror. You're ruining your face. You're so pretty. Just get out of the mirror. And I'm just like, like shut up. You don't understand me. Like, locks door. And, um, yeah, that's, that's something I still struggle with. You know, that's why I went to the school. And, like, shout out to my sister, Nicole, for even telling me what an esthetician was. I had no idea what an esthetician was. I had no idea. I did not know it was a thing, a profession, or anything. I was not exposed to, uh, like, the spa life. So I didn't know that you can go get a facial or you can go to school to do that. I didn't know what a facial was. I didn't understand that stuff. I just knew that I picked my face and I was learning different ways to like heal from the picking that I was doing. You know, my sister was like, here, just take this tea tree oil because I'm constantly picking my face and then throwing toothpaste on it at the time. And she's like, do this. You know, she's reading into like all these natural and holistic things. And at the time I, I wasn't really privy to it. And, uh, then I was like obsessed with tea tree oil. Then I started getting into like the Trader Joe's skincare products. And then I started, you know, TJ Maxx, you know, Lifetime Commitment, Maxinista. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I realized and something that I've come to know now, and I'm going to like really make an episode on this because this is something that's really important. I want to talk with another skincare professional and slash another person who has the classification would be dermatillomania um but the skin picking disorder in which that i have and 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 avidly working with uh addiction to picking skin and some people do it on on their body their nails you know i do it on my face and my scalp specifically um i do it other probably if i like you know whatever it is but predominantly it's my face and my scalp and yeah I'm gonna make a whole episode on it but I'll tell you quick what my concept is my concept is that the reason why I'll pick my face is because I have disassociated from my body for as long as I can remember I constantly didn't you know feel connected with my physical body I didn't want to be in here. I didn't understand. I was like, why am I a person? Why am I a girl? Why am I this? Like, I just, that was always questions for me. And, uh, or I'm not, I'm not enough of this. I want to be more like this. So in my head, my physical sensations, a coping mechanism started to manifest into 
just, if I was so much in my head, the only way I would get in my body is to get things out of it. So to, to fixate on my imperfections and try to remove them. And I realized that just like as a person, I'm like that inwardly. So it just manifested outside of myself. So I'm constantly going inward and trying to find my imperfections and insecurities and, you know, heal them or unmask them and look at them. But prior to me being more productive about it, it would solely be to just discover them and attack myself for it. And that's kind of like how it would manifest with that. And then I realized like I would start like I would get acrylic nails to not do it. And then I would start scanning on my head. I remember I was like a week into not picking and I <laughs> was like, oh, I've been so good. I've been so good. And then I realized while I was driving one day that I've been just scanning my scalp and then doing that. And it's so funny because once we get out of one habit or habitual behavior that we've had for so long, it's really important that we're mindful of what we're doing that is kind of similar and also being very aware of our being our physical body, our mental, our spiritual, emotional, physical, what it is that we're doing because it can manifest into something so similar but subtle that you don't realize it. And it's important in those moments to not be like, but to more or less have compassion in those moments and be like, I understand why you did this. Like, I get it. I get you. I know that this has been the way you've coped for so long and I and I'm here to offer you a hug and understanding and um, we can do something else you know there was this experience where I was in Vermont with my good friend Jenny and Nicole and we had sat with mushrooms and in that journey I kept on saying do I want to eat this grape or am I eating this grape because it's here and then I had this whole like emotional eating thing kind of unpack and I was like I don't actually want to eat this grape that's crazy it's just here so I just think I want to eat the grape but I could just leave the grape the grape could just exist there and I could just exist here I don't have to be a gluttonous American I can just leave it alone it could leave me alone and we could be fine I could respect the grape I don't need to eat the food just because it's in front of me I don't need to eat the grape just because I'm trying to escape something in my mind and I have that satisfaction and serotonin boost when I eat something that I like you know I wasn't hungry I ate already it'd be different if I didn't eat so these different things that I've noticed about myself have all come from places of just paying attention and giving myself as much attention as I give to others I noticed that in relationships I would be a scientist trying to cure something rather than, you know, probably being the best partner I could be. I would just put them under a microscope and be like, oh, okay, all right, I see trauma, 11 o'clock coming from, oh, okay, abandonment issues from mother, uh, oh, okay, perfect. Now, what we need to do is we need to help them there, right? Not focus on me, just help them there. And then they're going to be great, and then in that, what? I feel better because I help somebody, but that's just a physical manifestation of me wanting to help myself, and I'm also neglecting myself and simultaneously abandoning myself in the process. It's taken so long for me to really comprehend and grasp that because we think that just because we do things for other people that it's always based in the best intentions, which it could be the best intentions, but what's the purpose? 
What's the reason? What's the why? You know, we can, oh, I want to help people. Why do you want to help people? Okay, because I want to help people. But why? Oh, because, you know, no one helped me and I want to help other people and be there for other people. Okay, cool. That's great. What are you doing to help yourself too? It has to be balanced because if you're not helping yourself and you're constantly just helping other people, that's just another vehicle and escape and addiction that's just dressed in a more societally acceptable thing. You know, just because you didn't choose to go, you know, do drugs, but you chose to go help a bunch of people, which seemingly looks good, but inside you're dying to be helped by yourself. That was a huge lesson. That's a big codependency lesson that had came up and uh, throughout my journey. And just listening to myself, you know, like so many different experiences where I was in partnerships and relationships where I would have a dream and warning. I'm not saying that this is always the case because sometimes it could definitely be the shadow projection of our own insecurities. But I will say for myself in certain cases, um, if someone was cheating on me, I always knew. I always knew. I had one ex that his mom used to say to him, like, I don't even know why you try to lie to this girl. She's a witch. She's going to know. Like, period. And I would laugh because I had no idea that I had the abilities that, you know, I do, that you do, that we all can tap into. I didn't realize how sharp my intuition was because I was never trained in this. I didn't have a consistent mentor and guide. I was looking for one for so long. I was like, I need to have a teacher. I need, I can't, I, I can't do any of this stuff until I have a teacher. I need to learn from this teacher. I need to be under this teacher and really study and really study, really study. And then the universe kept showing me teachers that, you know, I was supposed to learn from temporarily. That maybe in full alignment, I didn't, you know, align with their morals entirely. And certain aspects I might have. And it might have felt really good and I got to take what resonated and leave what didn't. But the universe was constantly showing me that I needed to be my own teacher and I needed to find myself worthy of being my source of information, but also balancing it out by then eventually having an integral elder that, you know, blessed that I have now and the elders that I do have around me and different teachers that I do have around me now that are very much so integral and do walk life the way I morally align with. Because the thing is, something that is really important that I would like to, to leave with you guys is why are you going to take advice from people that you look at their life and you would never want to live. The same way, I, I always say this, like, if you aren't okay with waking up and being that person, then you shouldn't sleep with them. That's like my rule of thumb, right? One day, just one day. Like, if, you, if you're not okay with that, and I believe it's the same thing when it comes to taking advice, and also take it with a grain of salt. You know, people, we can't put them on a pedestal, and we can't think that everybody's capable of giving us all the answers. We need to give ourselves the answers. We are perfectly designed and crafted to find what it is that we need, that we're looking for. Nobody else is designed and crafted to do that. That's up to us. So, yeah, you know, just like constantly revisiting these things in my life where I've had moments where I've just been completely separated from people and, you know, take my vow of celibacy. I'm, I'm only on my own. I'm not even interacting with people romantically for a year. And then I've had times where I've been in like long-term relationships and really toxic ones at that, where I was just reenacting the toxic um, relationship dynamics I seen growing up. 
and you know that's what we kind of attract and until we can look at it and identify it then we can kind of heal from it and it's interesting being on another aspect you know i'm in a relationship now that isn't toxic and uh i mean of course it has its moments just like anyone else but it's like sometimes i like catch myself like trying to be a tasmanian devil and just be like oh it's not toxic well guess who's in a bad mood today like no <laughs> sit down sometimes we need to really hold that accountability for ourselves too you know it's like when things are going okay or like content and then we're like waiting for the other shoe to drop and then we're like you know what i'm just gonna smack this shoe down because it's gonna drop anyway like no it's not always gonna happen like we can have a chill and um we can accept what's for us. Like when you're constantly on this path of taking accountability, diving deeper into yourself, understanding why you are the way you are. And it's things are going to change. You're going to lose people. You're not going to have the same friends that you had. You, you don't even want to. You know, they might not understand or you might not understand. But when things move and shift, it's, it's happening for a reason. You know, reason's not always good. Like, you could say everything happens for a reason. Reason's not always good. Also, there's a time and place to say that to people, you know. Um, but there's times that you're going to lose people. You're going to have people that were your best friends for years. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I don't resonate with this person anymore. And that's okay. I don't need to wish you bad. I, like, I send you love. I just don't want you in my space because it don't feel good when you're here. It don't feel good for me. It don't feel good for you. You know, shout out to Ariel. There's something she always said was like, if you feel something, it's mutual, right? So it's like, if you're feeling something to a certain extent, like intensely, okay, I have a resistance to this person, you know? And it's not just to one post or to one thing. Like you're just feeling that like in the room with them or whatever the case is, like 97% chance that the other person is also feeling a resistance, whether they feel it because they're conscious of it or they're feeling it because they feel your resistance. Also, same applies with attraction. So to be mindful of that, what we think about when we see people, if we want to manifest that or not. Like, you can see somebody who's a married person and be like, wow, that person's mad attractive. I think that they're great. I think they're an amazing person, you know, or just ain't even partnership. It doesn't have to be married. You could see them be like, I appreciate this person. But if you look at them with this lustful energy, like, oh, I wish that that person's not nothing. Like, they should be with me. This, not the third, like... They're going to feel that whether they integrate exactly what it is and pick up exactly what it is that you're feeling, you're emitting that. So you're emitting this certain energy and that applies to everything, good, bad, anything in between, you know, negative, positive. I don't really like saying good or bad, but like negative, positive, you know, uh, selfish or selfless or just considerate, right? Or inconsiderate, more or less. So it's important for us to be aware of our own energies and these different events in my life. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that I experienced these things not only to acknowledge and heal deep traumas in my ancestral lineage to help myself, the seven generations before me and seven generations after me, and also to be an embodiment of that and to know and find deeper and deeper into my purpose and embody my purpose as others 
and, and be a reminder for others to do the same. It seems that in my life, I've always been thrown into these dark corners where I was like, in like, uh, you know, really like fucked up situations where I was the only like kind of voice of reason. And even in those moments, like people will reach out to me now and be like, oh, wow, like, you know, I remember you were still like that when we were like smoking blunts and doing this and da da da. da. And it's like, yeah. But I was just scared to be that because it's scary to be the opposition. And sometimes the opposition is the good thing. You know, we think of opposition, we think of like, oh, well, opposition is the bad part. Like sometimes the opposition is the good part to the bad part because the bad part or the, um, let's say, more evasive or selfish and temporary self-serving parts of us are what's all around us. Temptations all around us. Discipline is not necessarily all around us, but it's there if you look and if you allow yourself. The more you embody something, the more you'll find it. If you want to be disciplined and you're working on your discipline, you're going to bump in and to meet more people that are disciplined. If you want to be more organized, same thing. You know, if you want to be more chaotic, you're going to find a bunch of chaos just everywhere waiting for you. So what are you going to choose? What is it that you feel like you want to do for yourself? And that's my life has been the constant journey of me being like, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Why did I listen to myself? Why did I not listen? I knew it. I dreamt it four times, four times. Why, why, why did I take someone else's word over mine? You know, that's in friendships, in, in family relationships, in work dynamics, in relationships, especially in relationships. How many times I was told that I was crazy, that I was this, that I was that. Maybe I was crazy, but I wasn't lying. That's the thing. Maybe I was crazy, <laughs> but I wasn't lying, and I was telling the truth. And the thing is, when you're the only person echoing the truth, you're going to look like an enemy to someone who's trying to hide from it. If you're embodying, even if you're not shining a light on them, if you're being a light and someone wants to stay in the shadows, you're a threat. So now you're going to be attacked. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. That's just the way that they might be coping with whatever it is that they're battling. Maybe in a few years, I'll understand. Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't at all. Maybe not in this lifetime. Maybe not in, that, in others, you know? But once again, it's not your responsibility. I'm saying that to myself. To listen back to this podcast and be like, wow, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but this time I'll listen to me. And... uh that's that's the embodiment and that's who I am and that's that's what I want to continue to echo into the universe is in a person who is constantly checking myself my integrity my motives to make sure that I'm coming from a balanced place to not only benefit myself but others around me hold myself accountable when I'm not doing the right thing and when I'm not benefiting myself and others and whether it's I'm doing too much for others or too much for myself. And to be able to own that, to accept that, and to forgive myself for that. So that I can go through it and not try to evade it. We're humans. We're going to have ups. We're going to have downs. There's going to be a day that I'm the most positive, super supportive person. There's going to be times that I'm like in my bag. And, you know, I'm the toxic one that needs to just sit with myself because something's coming up for me. And I wasn't ready to look at it. So I might be projecting it on you. 
Now I do my best to make sure that it doesn't get to that point. And if it does, let me know. And I would hope that you guys would hold me accountable just as much as I hold y'all accountable. Because you know that I'm the person that's going to say something. And that could be problematic. That could seem problematic, you know. Um, but if telling the truth and speaking into a space that is warranted and needed, I'll be problematic, but I'll also be solution-oriented. So I'll spark something off, but I also have the fire extinguisher. Like, it, it's, it's a needed force. And that's what being a five is. That's what being me is. For me, my version of myself and the different aspects of everything that made me me, that's the constant, is like, speaking up did i always speak like this that i was i always able to look at the camera and do all this absolutely not if you knew me at other points in my life you would understand that like this is crazy for me you know to have the confidence to come up and be me like have i always been myself i'm grateful for that if it's something that my mother always said to me she's like Mita, no matter how old you were when you were like in fifth grade fourth grade you would still wear your bandanas even if they told you that you were going to suspend you or like my, my double fingered rings or the different things that i would wear that was like weird I would still get made fun of, you know. Um, I would still do it because I liked it. It brought me me. You know, I used to literally, <laughs> in the middle in middle school, I used to um, take uh, milky pens and draw tattoos. Like, I'd draw a sleeve on myself because I always knew I wanted a sleeve. I knew this since I was eight years old when I was at my Uncle Ronnie's uh, motorcycle shop upstate. He had a tattoo parlor in the basement and I like walked away from my dad for a second and I looked and I was in the basement. I'm looking up at all these tattoos and I'm like, I want that one and that one. And I don't understand that tattoos were needles yet. So I was just like, I could stick them on or I could whatever. I don't understand, but I want it. And my dad's like, kid, you got to wait like 10 more years. What are you doing? You know, and I'm like, oh, man. Like, but I always knew. So anyway, I would either switch uh it wasn't usually money like sometimes it was money but it was really like a dollar but it was really like hey can you give me your snapple and then i'll give you a tattoo and that's what i did in middle school also <laughs> something i did in middle school um that i made money from uh that i may have i'm not gonna incriminate myself um <laughs> but uh i used to change report cards for people for 25 dollars that's actually how I met some of my friends. They would come to my house because, like, sorry, Ma, but, you know, uh, she worked a lot, and uh, my parents were divorced, so I was always in this apartment by myself, like, for the most part. Sometimes I would say that, you know, I was supposed to be my mom, though I was at my dad's house, but really I took the bus to my mom's and I left the window open, and I would be doing this uh, shit. So that being <laughs> changing people's report cards uh, for $25. That was a hustle that I did. And I ended up meeting people and becoming friends with them through that because I wasn't the most popular person. I was actually, like, the person that was always getting in trouble. Um, but, like, not doing necessarily bad things. I was just, like, not there, you know? Like, I, would just, I was, like, the only person in middle school that I used to cut all the time. My name was always on loudspeaker. And I would just be at Dunkin' Donuts, like, drinking a white hot chocolate, smoking a cigarette, like, horrible but it's the truth like that's that's what I was doing you know I was just living my own antisocial life I would just go to the woods and just be there you know um during school hours running full speed from truancy um you know things about me that people may not know but I'm also not afraid of or ashamed of you know I accept those parts of myself that was just like mischievous and or just 
doing her best. Uh, she's funny, you know, and cringy, very cringy, very, very cringy, especially uh, middle school me, very cringy. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, but I still accept her, you know, and I forgive her. There's so many things, so many things that, um, especially in middle school, that was uh, big parts that I needed to integrate. Because the thing is, is like we talk about integrating our inner child, but what about our inner teenager? And that will be another episode because my inner teenager was absolutely trifling. Like my inner child was shy and scared and my inner teenager was the devil like she was she was bad um you know she was just screaming for help and attention and discipline but didn't know it yet um so I love her and I give her acceptance um yeah I don't even know how long I've been talking but I feel like it's been a minute and yeah it's been an hour (laughs) or 40 minutes and uh I told y'all I get weird about talking about myself I told you guys from the beginning, yesterday I was mad antisocial, so I knew it. I, like, knew I was going to be weird today. But it's okay. I feel good about it. You know, I feel good about the things that we talked about. And to kind of, like, wrap it up, who am I and what do I want? You know, I'm going to acknowledge the things I've done. Because I'm always like, you know, I don't give my titles and stuff. I don't like to put labels. And I'm going to acknowledge and say the things that I've done my accomplishments for myself right now to acknowledge myself, not to warrant any good or bad feedback. But I've studied many different areas. I've been practicing my spirituality for years. My whole life, really, but like avidly since I was 17. So almost 10 years of my life has been active in the spiritual community, attending moon ceremonies, and then facilitating them for over three years now. Tonight we're doing a moon ceremony in the woods. If you're interested, hit me up. Um, And yeah, I am so grateful that I didn't give up on myself. I'm so grateful that when things got really dark and heavy that I was able to find little peaks of light, like little cracks of light in a cave and started punching my way out because I could have been a completely different version of myself if I would have chose anything else. I might have not even been here at this point, you know, with the way I was going. And uh, although, like, everything that happened when I was 17 was really tragic it shaped me to be a better person than I think I ever was prior and uh I'm grateful for that I'm truly grateful for that and um I just want to continue to believing in myself listening to my intuition not questioning or doubting her but also holding her accountable me You know, I like to call, like, my human Ash. I prefer Ash over Ashley, but I do accept Ashley. That is my name. And uh, Akasha is kind of like my spirit, right? So when I'm in ceremony, you know, it's like Akasha is kind of forward, right? 
but when I'm like rolling up a blunt listening to Jada Kiss, like that's Ash, you know, and I'm human. I do both. And uh I make sure to put the intention into and then sometimes I don't put the intention into and that's something that I've also been learning to not be guilty of because I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. When I had to uh, state the intention every time I did something was because I was coming from a space of neglect and not giving attention to what I do. But if I'm lighting up, say, herb, if I'm lighting up cannabis or CBD or something in that consistency in that area, like, I know what I'm doing it for. It's not to escape. It's to use it as a tool. What do I need to learn from? Because I don't smoke often. And when I smoke, I know that I'm going to dive into the depths of my whole being. So I'll say to myself, oh, okay, this is coming up for me. What, what's another perspective? So I already do that naturally. I thought that me stopping to like not saying this elaborate prayer and being like, okay, well, this is why I'm going to do this. I think every single thing. It's like, no, I, I do and I acknowledge it, but it doesn't have to be a whole thing. There's different evolutions that we come to and we realize that everything doesn't have to be a whole show, you know, and it's not that we always have a show for other people. Sometimes we have a show for ourselves because we need to. We need to remind ourselves of certain things. But, I mean, I could go on and on. I uh, I know I said I could, if anybody wanted to pull up and ask any questions, and then I just went off. So if anybody wants to ask any questions, um, you're more than welcome to now in this space. And if not, I am going to just wrap it up and kind of state my intentions for what I want to let go of and step forward into especially during this full moon okay it's like these different things i even said it to myself yesterday i was like i made the space to ask questions and you know I was talking to my partner. I was like, yeah, you know, I am going to give my, that could be like problematic. Like I can embarrass myself, but I feel like I have a, like a black belt in embarrassing myself at this point. You know, um, it's crazy. Like how these different things kind of build you to have a tolerance, you know, and that space, like, oh, okay, does anyone have questions? And then nobody does. And that's okay. And that, doesn't hurt my feelings anymore the way it used to it's like I had once I once I said that and nobody was there I was like it, it was like a part of me was fearful that it was going to be like a question I didn't necessarily want to answer and then I'm like I don't really have those to be honest like I've said many times on this podcast like eight mile I do that to myself all day long I pop it up you know Eminem pop it up myself all the time like oh, okay because I'm in the spiritual community and I'm a face and a leader of the spiritual community out here on Set Island, you know, if anyone thinks they have something on me as far as like, oh, okay, oh yeah, she used to like mess around, do this and do that. It's like, I'll tell you, you wanna know? Ask the question. <laughs> but uh, that's the beautiful thing about anybody that's afraid to share themselves. You have the power. No matter what anyone may have on you, you have the power, the more you share yourself. And that you, when you feel you're, you're supposed to, you know? And in these different moments, in these different times, like, I don't know. It just came up to me in the last thing, 
that I want to say before I, I set my intention, everything is like, when that moment came, it reminded me of like growing up. Um, so my birthday is July 5th, right? It's the day after 4th of July. So everybody's either hungover or like absent on my birthday. I get the leftover fireworks, which I love. I love the smell of fireworks. love the smell of gunpowder. Um, but like I would always have uh, birthday parties and, you know, I'd invite people and stuff that like people wouldn't really come. Like that was always a constant for me in my life where I would invite people to a party and then like nobody would come. Cause like I said, like, you know, I mean, I hear sometimes people tell me now like, Oh yeah, you were popular people. Now. I'm like, I don't think I was popular. I think it was like infamous. Those are so mad hot. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Okay. Well, we know the thermos works anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, that was constantly a thing. Like I remember like being so sad about it and then I got older and I was like I don't want to have birthday parties because like I'm mad like PTSD like nobody's gonna come you know and then all of a sudden everybody wanted to come to my birthday everybody wanted to create a party for my birthday in the center and I was just like this is mad weird like I don't want this this is weird you know don't look at me I don't want it and uh <laughs> what I've been doing for the past few years for my birthday, um, especially last year, I celebrate it alone, and I want to keep it that way. Even if I have a partner, best friend, family around me, like I'll have a day with them, but my actual birthday, I want it to be with myself because that was the day I was brought into this world, and that's the day that I get to reflect and that I get to make my wishes and blow out my own candle in my own space. So on this 30th episode... What I'd like to speak out of my life from this new full moon that we're in is any doubt or any fear of taking up space or sharing or oversharing or whatever the case is. Any fear of not being enough, of being too much. I want to shed that and give that to the creator and have it be transmuted into something really beautiful. And what I want to speak into existence is a platform to continue to grow my platform to speak to people and uh, genuinely and just have a space for people to speak genuinely. That's the thing about this podcast. Like, it's not scripted. It never is. It never will be. Um, There's going to be awkwardness. There's going to be trip-ups. There's going to be different things that happen with myself and others. I like to ask people to be on this podcast, people that would never want to be on a podcast. That's my favorite people to ask to come on some podcast. Because it's like, I never wanted to be on a podcast, but guess who's hosting it? <laughs> and uh, I want to speak that genuine, genuine abundance, worthiness, and acceptance of all of the blessings that are already on their way to me. And the courage and the discernment, the beauty, the understanding, the integrity, the balance to remain who I am under any and all circumstances, being the best person I can be for myself and others, and speaking into existence the best possible outcomes for myself in my life in a good way. 
And so it is. Aho, Ashi. And that is the episode for today. Tune in next week. I have no idea what it's going to be yet, but we'll find out. Thank you. Bye. Because I'm just going to be weird if we just, if I know, you know, so I'm just going to. Yeah, because I know. That's why. Yeah, so I wanted to do a skit in my previous podcast about myself. Um, I took two bass lessons, shout out to Julia, and I made some time to finally get it down. I didn't want to pursue another lesson until I had what I was taught down, which are the the chords and then um, the tabs for beat it. So... I just wanted to share that. I'm going to do it again. I feel like every time I know I'm going to do it, I get weird with it. But, you know, bear with me. I'm new. I'm learning. That's all I got today.